is Sharon Shabazz, and you're listening to the RealHipHop.com podcast. In this episode, I talk to Virginia-based MC, A1. A1 is an MC known for his laid-back, introspective rhymes with a golden-era East Coast feel. A1 recently released an album in that vein called Solar Power. But just prior to the release of Solar Power, A1 released a joint album with French producer Gorilla Glock called The Black Paladin. The project is a departure from A1's jazz-influenced boom-bap sound. The Black Paladin acts as an audiographic novel with Gorilla Glock providing an eerie backdrop as A1 portrays a villainous character named Zarkon. In this episode, we talk to A1 about touching on the black American experience in his music, working with Gorilla Glock, and their new album, The Black Paladin. Um, how did you come up with the idea for the character Zarkon? Well, I was a fan of the Voltron series on Netflix. I um, got introduced to it randomly by a friend of mine, my homeboy Kaveen. And um, I was a fan as a kid of the original uh, series. So when I checked it out, went into it with some skepticism. But um, after I started watching it, I really enjoyed it. And it rekindled the love of, you know, cartoons and, and the anime style that it's done in. And um, also familiarized myself with the story of Zarkon. And um, I really fell in love with his character because he was so old. He lived for 10,000 years. And the reason why he became a villain was, you know, out of love for his wife. You know what I'm saying? So um, he wanted the paladins to assist him and going to get this energy that could save his wife. And when they didn't, and he went into that field and perished. He came back, you know, out of revenge. So it's really, you know, Zarkon is a villain who did it for love. So it was very interesting to see that, you know, character being developed and to get so much story, backstory on the villain. I found that to be amazing. Hmm. That's pretty consistent with most uh, fictitious villains, though. Like, um in their minds, they're right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, typical sociopathic behavior, you know. So um, I found it to be very interesting and um, as well as just well put together that he could almost be human in that sense or relate to other villains that we see throughout movies. It doesn't have to be cartoons. That's what, um, you know, drew me to him. Yeah. Now, was it difficult or was it liberating to write songs as someone else? Yeah. Sergeant Salute. Gorilla Clock. A1. Spades with the older guards up in the kitchen 
Trading war stories, pumping the best of new edition. Smoking the air, diamonds dancing, players wrist they glisten. Knock at the door, must have been a fiend upon the mission. Nah, it's the Jake, we gotta escape everybody dirty. I'm hearing hammers cop back, these niggas 7.30. But all the ops wanted was to quiet the noise. A stack of hundreds and a bottle to quiet the boys. People in slumber, but the city is still wide awake. Peace to the guards, told the homies, yo, I got a skin. Hopped in the whip, seen a prostitute up on the corner. She was in my high school class, the beast that ran up on her. I'm riding slow, see some kids holding down the block. I know they holding Intratex and a pile of rocks. Crackheads fighting at the gas station, niggas filming. I can't help but the notice small crying children. The street lights shimmer on the side of the buildings. A man argue with his lady cause he and his feelings. Robot attend city that was full of vets with spikes in their arms chasing dragons, pure neglect. Evilest nights see the true face of poverty. I hit the store for cigarellos, play my lottery. Hit the mega millions, better buying up some property. Everybody wanna have money like Monopoly. I'm getting hungry, time to hit up the Waffle House. Order my food, young waitress flirting, she trying to bounce. I hear commotion, see some niggas with some mask on. Pump in the face like, bitch, give me the cash draw. All I'm thinking is I should've hit the shot house. Gave her the money, she written, quit, and then clocked out. Gave her a ride, but after that shit, the vibe was gone. Put on my music, cruise the city till the early morn. Because the vibe I be on is that old Jimi Hendrix. A band of gypsies in my head within the city limits. I ride and rhyme in my mind, making songs for sinners. Shouts out to the shot house for any incident. Songs for sinners, poems for pimps. Prayers for prostitutes and pity for sinners. Salute to the vets sleeping on the benches. Songs for the homies living in the trenches. Songs for sinners, poems for pimps. Prayers for prostitutes and pity for sinners. Salute to the vets sleeping on the benches. Songs for the homies living in the trenches. How did you initially link up with Gorilla Glock? Um, Gorilla Glock and I have a long history. He actually reached out to me in 2013 to press the original pressing of Return to the Golden Era. 
um, his company, you know, Sergeant Records, or Surgeon, pronounced that way, um, pressed up, returned to the golden era, defecation. Um, I did another project under a different um, moniker with uh, Tiff the Gift called um, Sasquatch Iron, Come at the Kings, You Bet Not Miss. That moniker was magnetic, hers was tofu, obviously, was Gorilla Glock. So it was like one of my secret projects that was lingering out there. And um, he also had a huge hand in that black soul in getting that pressed up through HHV um, in Germany. And him and Odd Wayne, his partner for um, Chat New York, produced the other side of that Matt Black Soul, the Chat New York version. So we've had um, quite a long history working together. And um, he just came to me and he was like, look, I got these type of beats, they're different in texture, um, different in substance, and it may be good for you to do something different on them. And we, you know, got back to talking back and forth um, through email, and we came up with this project, and it just came up as an idea of him having something different he wanted to throw my way. Okay. How was working with Gorilla Glock different from working with a producer like Phonics? Storytelling went to another level on the song Stanley Kubrick. Um, <laughs> did Gorilla Glock's dark production and the much slower BPM make it easier to be more descriptive with your writing? Yo, yo. I gotta tell you, man, people crazy as shit. Y'all wouldn't believe what happened to me and my homie Rashad, man. We was just chilling, you know what I'm saying? Trying to be polite, you know what I mean? Just trying to accommodate the people. Some wild shit happened, check it. Bring some weed, I got a story to tell. We met this young lady while up in Chanel. I was copping the bag for the wife and I noticed. On us she focused, I caught her stamming twice. And since I'm polite, I asked, ma'am, do I know you? She said, I saw y'all last night up in Nobu. What brings you here today? I said, a little shopping, I'm A. This my homie Rashad, what's poppin'? She said her name was Jane and she really liked the style. She was a big fan. 
fan, been listening for a while. She said a man was having a party and we should come. It's at his castle in the hills and it's gonna be dumb. I'm like, what the fuck? She said, dressed to impress, gave us a card and a password. We were her guests. She said, it's a masquerade, so come ready. It never crossed my mind, this shit could be sketchy. So we ate, got fresh, threw on the tongue for a tux. Pull up to the party and the joint looks sus. The valet was pale, horse white, old as fuck. Her man looked the same, but he rich, Scrooge McDuck. We got into the spot and it was eyes wide shut. Some Stanley Kubrick shit, must mass nudists, EDM. Music, plates full of drugs. Then Jane came to the foyer to meet us. She said, You look uncomfortable. I said, It ain't our style. She said, Don't be rude. You could stay for a while. She had this look on her face like it wasn't an option. Some big ass bodyguards came from the back holding Glocks and led us to a room with a man. His name was Victor. He said, It's really nice to meet you, niggas. I love that rap shit. You kick it so amusing. And this is when shit got really confusing. He wanted us to gang back. Jane, so he can watch before he could finish his sentence. I said, Stop. I grabbed a 40 that I had in my waist. Victor picked the wrong nigga to try from the gate. Put the barrel in his mouth. Told his people I would blast if me and Rashad didn't leave this bitch without a scratch. Plus a hundred racks just for our inconvenience. Jane started wilding. The bitch started screaming, Y'all fucking up the evening. Rashad had to gather. Told the bodyguards, Drop both the heaters for we bagger. Go get our paper. Go fetch a whip, but we gon' put holes in Victor and this bitch. Victor gave the orders. They tossed up the duffel, took Jane as the hostage, so it wasn't no trouble. Got to the door, hopped in the R8, left Jane butt naked in front of the estate. Security popping shots, we made it out safe. A hundred racks richer, wasn't worth full of chase. The moral of the story is you can't trust a soul, cause people are crazy as fuck across the globe. did it take you to write that particular song? Crazy. 
Okay. Um, there's another song on the album, Apocalypse, that stands out to me. Um, it, it sounds like you're talking about the black American experience in your verses. And on the hook, you said it's more than a song. It's a reflection of the time. Um, what inspired the song Apocalypse? The origins of Zarkon. The state of mind. Or is it? Ego driven. The rhythm. The black paladin, sword in my hand, no foreign land A shame I had to die to find out who I am, I was a king Captured in the transatlantic trade I fought the motherfuckers till they put me in the grave Shallow with no stone, a king with no throne Keep coming back to life until the law calls me home I reside in the mind of the MC you hear That's why he speaks from his soul with no type of fear A warrior at heart, premonitions of life Premonitions of death Born into the trife, a testament A spiritual relevance My existence is evidence Absorb the science through all the sediment Seen all types of cases Demons of all races And the Jerichos and Dunyas Where the war rages This is anarchy, archangels rising from the fire You'll find out the truth On the day you expire Mike Messiah I'm here to crush your empire I might get higher Just to feel the gravity my rhymes and oxygen will heal your mind naturally It takes more than a pig with a gun to capture me Apocalypse of minds, prophetic with the rhymes It's more than a song, it's a reflection of the time Touch me not if you don't want Execute a ritual, elevate the spiritual, touching people's lives for good to me is miracles. That song is definitely about the black American experience. I wanted to ex explain through uh, feeling this perspective of how, you know, we were once kings, warlords, if you will, you know, the rulers of our nation. And slavery was a war that we just happened to lose and become prisoners of war. You know what I'm saying? Initially, after the Crusades, you know, the Moors were pushed out of Europe and in turn, you know, they were captured as slaves of Portugal, prisoners of war. So in a sense, you know, the black experience is constantly us as a people being prisoners of this war, you know, this economic war conquering and dividing people of European colonialism, you know, and it still happens today because one way you keep people oppressed is to constantly divide them, rob them of their identity, you know, take away the fact that they were king, you know what I'm saying? That's why I saw as I was a king. You know what I'm saying? Born into the transatlantic slaves, you know, fought the motherfuckers till they put me in the grave. So essentially, he reincarnated himself and came back to life as this larger than life figure. You know what I'm saying? And um, as an evil entity, you know, taking that revenge and that frustration and that anger out on the earth. You know what I mean? So I wanted people to get a fictional representation. 
frustrating it is to be a black man not having that identity, not having that that feeling of a nation. You know, in America, there are people of color across the world who have a national identity. We're the only people, you know, living in diaspora who don't have that warm feeling of a, a nation or belonging. You know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to put that in perspective. And also when you said the times, I mean, we just constantly reminded of that even more today within the political um, realm of things, you know, and, and I don't want to go too deep into the politics because everybody knows what time it is and what's going on. But um, we constantly reminded that, uh, you know, this is not our nation or our America. Um, you know, we have a leader, commander-in-chief who harkens back on the time of Make America Great Again, which, you know, refers to, you know, post-World War II, the New Deal type of things where we didn't get that. You know what I'm saying? And for me, it just constantly reminds me of the, the, the you know, economic inequalities that, that happened, generational wealth that wasn't allowed to be built due to Jim Crow laws, segregation, so forth and so on. So again, we still prisoners of war constantly fighting for our place in society. Man, that's interesting. Um, the first part um, regarding having no nationality, I recently uh, started trying to retrace my roots and I'm stuck on like 1870 so it's like I can go as far back as my great great grandparents and that's it because they kept no no records of slaves so um that's been lost that's gone they took that from us and it's like we have taken on this uh, identity of just being slaves because that's our history now. They wiped away any history prior to, you know, linking, freeing the slaves. Um, how much of that do you think plays a part in our struggles as black Americans, not having an identity not knowing our history. I believe that that is 90% of the struggle. Um, the other 10% obviously is the, the financial implications that come along with not having that identity or ability to build generational wealth. But the identity is an air and a sense of confidence. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So not having that identity takes away the confidence to do well. If you don't know where you're coming from, how do you know where you're going? You always feel like an abandoned child that is an orphan. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And, you know, technically, uh, Idris Elba's movie, Beast of No Nation, you know, makes it even more relevant to how this fight came onto these shores. We are people with no nation. You know what I'm saying? Technically. Technically, we are always a other. When we get spoken about, it's always the black vote, the black population, this and that. And we don't even understand what we want to be called, whether it's colored, Negro, you know, African-American, 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Black has always been a confusing um, take on where do we stand. And we come in all shapes, sizes, shades of different people, different backgrounds, different heritage, because, you know, it's, it's, it's become we're homogenous with any other race or ethnicity on this earth. So I don't care if your father or mother is white. If you have a black parent, you're black. That's mm-hmm. how it goes. The same thing with if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic, anything. It's once that melanin hits any 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 sort of percentage of blood, you become black and you face the same stigmas that we all face. And mm-hmm. you know, it just goes to show how a whole entire group of people can be cast off and left out as other when there is no real national identity identity that's there. It'd be different if I could say, yo, I'm Nigerian mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm I'm from South Africa or I'm from, you know, the uh, the, the Congo. It'd be different if we could say that. Mm-hmm. But we can't. We stop at reconstruction. Mm-hmm. You know, we stop at the abolishment of, uh, of slavery, emancipation. We stop there, and and that's frustrating for so many people. And that's that's definitely um a weight on our shoulders that we can't push off because it's a constant reminder that we came from this oppression. That you know we look at we look at other people as our oppressors. Technically, they're not anymore today. But you still have that in the back of your mind, like. Mm-hmm. said so much and it's so important because it's not an accident going back to what you said about uh the 10 percent being financial if the 40 acres and a mule that was promised to us had been given to us we would be in a much different place today um black people were essentially freed but with no freedom, no uh, absolutely no education. Funny thing about forty acres and a mule is that yes, it was a law that was on the books, 
not many people took advantage of it or could take advantage of it because there was awful laws on the books that said that you weren't allowed to read. Mm -hmm. So if you went and tried to approach a situation having read this law or understand the nature of it, you could be jailed, similar Mm -hmm. to the pig laws and the fact that, you know, if you were a free black man, but you were loitering, homeless, or unemployed, you could be rejailed and basically put back on the plantations to work. It's a constant cycle where the justice system has been working against our freedoms. Um, <laughs> basically, forever. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's never been a time where we had a pure level of freedom um, in this country. It's always been some sort of systematic racism to be able to you know, hinder the success of an entire people. Um, and it's, you're right, there's no accident in that, you know. And um, I'm not quite ready to be one of those people that say we need to move away from that because until the justice system is fair, which we are so far away from that, that, you know, I don't know if it will be fair for my children, you know, or my grandchildren. But until we get a level of fairness into the justice system, we truly cannot um, move forward when you have laws that work against us um, and have been working against our advancement um, since we since our ancestors have been free. Wow. So much, man. Uh, moving forward, man, um, the album is different for you. Um, but what is the Black Paladin's place in A1's catalog? I would like people to look at this as an album that I made that's experimental, that shows my range as an MC and as a writer. I want people to understand that it's fictional, it's not posing, but this is more of an education for me on what MC should be. And storytelling is a component that's missing, especially in mainstream um, hip-hop. Because the mainstream hip-hop formula is single, you know, party music. And it's always been. It's always been uh, about, you know, pop, bringing something that is very palatable for a lot of people. But some of the greatest hip-hop has always revolved around the storytelling components. I know that a lot of people are stuck on, oh, this dark, you know, dark style of hip-hop, the slow BPMs is pretty new, so forth and so on. But nah, it's not. (laughs) You know what I mean? Look at Ghostface Killer has been doing this style of hip-hop for, um, you know, 20-plus years. Uh, You know, MF Doom, um, his resurgence was in this same vein of the dark, slow BPMs, oddball type of storytelling that was so outrageous that, you know, you just went along with it and, and you listened to it for the entertainment value, for the comedic um, values and the satire that's within it. And we found greater meaning in some of his lines. So I look at this as just a homage to some of my heroes and a homage to storytelling. And I just wanted that part of me as in me and emceeing under my belt for people to just say, oh, A1, drop some dope stories, you know, um, because that's, for me, 
Thank you, A1, for joining the RealHipHop.com podcast. No doubt, brother. Thank you for having me. No question. Peace. The real hip hop MCM and DJ from your own mind, you know. I, I guess right now we should start the show.